This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Hallowell and Chris Field, the Church Boys. From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. I hate these guys. It's the Church Boys here. Chris Field, Billy Hallowell. Hi. We know you've been clamoring, America. You missed us over the weekend. It was a busy, busy weekend, and Billy's been out humping a book. And It was Mother's Day. And it was Mother's Day weekend, so we were going to record a show last week, but the road to hell for Billy is paved with good intentions. That's right. And uh, so we had we didn't get a show done last week, but it's Monday, day after Mother's Day. We're recording now, and then we'll do another one later in the week. But anyway, we apologize, kind of. Well, we apologize for not having a show ready to go. But but we did have our Q&A with uh, Jeff Kinley. We did, and it's posted, and it's fabulous. Wonderful. And it's a chance for Billy to, again, push his book, his nonsense that he's peddling. Oh, and speaking <laughs> of books, okay, so... Have you worked on your pages yet, Billy? Can I show you what I've created thus far? Ooh, let me see. So we're working We're working on a church boys coloring book. <laughs> I think Billy will like this because part of the reason for doing this is to is to mock is to mock the adult coloring book industry. <laughs> because these people are idiots. <laughs> So you, so you realize half of our listeners probably have adult coloring books. I know Pedro does. <laughs> I know, of course, he does. <laughs> so while I'm thinking of it, and then we'll get to our we'll get to telling about our Mother's Day festivities, uh. events, and Mother's <laughs> Day cards and obligations. <laughs> Don't are, get me started. There please. are certain things that Billy and I cannot discuss. <laughs> So here's so Billy. I've been. Did you work on your pages for? We're, so we're putting together a church boys coloring book. We are. Did you work on your pages at all this weekend? Um, I have concepts, right? Yeah. So okay. I, but I don't have. The, but okay. but a couple of them are really good. Okay. So I'm excited. I'm gonna have them all by right. Wednesday. All right. So I've I spent minutes preparing my pages, and I don't know. I've got what 15 pages here. Oh yeah. wow, you've got you've got yeah. substantial. Guess how long it took me? Less than 15 <laughs> minutes. So here's my first one because I put up. I put up like a tease on Twitter and then we got a lot of reaction to it. Like you guys should actually do one. You and I were talking, well, let's do it. Just be fun. We create a PDF of it or whatever. And I put it up there and there's a picture of a cat, right? And there's a hand-drawn, <laughs> very nicely hand-drawn picture of a cat with the word cat underneath. So thinking of the different pictures we could do and the adult coloring book uh, idea. So I've created some. Here's one. Billy, here's, here's one page. Can you Can you read that? <laughs> okay, there's one. It's just a square oh, on it. So stupid. And there's there's this one. Wait, we actually are doing shapes. Triangle. That's what's happening here. Shapes here, square and a triangle. And here's a little more complicated one. This one will really appeal to our 
Have you seen the adult coloring books, Billy? You've seen these, right? Like, we have just, one in our house. Like it's, yes. And some of them are pictures of like flowers and things. It's but so some strange. of them are like just a lot of geometric shapes, like patterns, like it's something you would doodle on your on your paper while you're listening to someone drone on and on. As you know, something I speak. you would doodle on your paper if you were a tween yes. in a yes. in a school That's listening true. to a teacher. Okay, talk so to here's here. this one is this is more along those lines, square with triangle, <laughs> <clears throat> and then I have this one. It was sideways square, but across that it's actually a diamond. <laughs> so there's that. And then I've gotten to my elephants here. I didn't get into. I was gonna draw a Glen, uh, but I didn't get. I didn't get it down. I the hair. I couldn't get the hair to work. <laughs> You're out Correct. of control. Okay, so, so there's this. Oh my god! <laughs> the trunk I can't. This. Oh so, my god! I thought that was the one I was really proud of. It actually looked nice. And then there's this one, and you're gonna notice a theme in the next three. There's this one. This Yours is the, are better than mine one, are gonna be. Oh. The one I posted, right? The cat one. Okay, so <laughs> then we have tiger, which is the cat one with stripes. Oh my god! Okay, and then we did lion, which is the cat one with the mane. Now here's the most complicated one I did. Most detailed. Well, probably the most detailed. You're like an artist over here. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. House. (laughs) There's a house. And flowers. Let me get the flowers page. Oh, those are pretty. Isn't that nice? The tulips. Does that look nice? And then my favorite car. (laughs) So we've got this coloring book. Oh, this is going to be a good coloring book. Oh, people are going to be ecstatic about this. Wait a minute. I just got an alert from... Our old friend who used to be on the show with us, a woman who is out on maternity leave. Oh, really? Oh, are we? This is a, this would be a special way to celebrate Mother's Day. She just texted me. Okay, what'd she say? Can we call her? Yeah, she's. Were you kidding when you said you wanted to call? Or did you get delayed? <laughs> Tell her to pipe down. I don't need. Well, I don't need. Hold on. I'm calling her. I'm calling yes, Sarah call. right now. I'm calling her. So that we figured it'd be a, one of the many ways to celebrate Mother's Day and to talk about it afterwards would be to call a new mother, or a woman, or a woman who is newly a mother again, or or whatever, because Rivette just had her second child, and apparently she had and quite an quite a <laughs> quite an adventure having this child. So Billy's right, going to call get her. her let's get her on the line. We're will, dialing and her. And remember, she was begging. She was. She was begging to come on. Was it a week or so ago? You all should have me on to talk about having the baby. It's a brother, it's a brother. Yeah, she was like dying to come yeah, on. She would leave us alone. It is about it. So let's see if she's on. I mean, hello. You are on the air. <laughs> it sounded like a voice recording rather than your voice, Chris. <laughs> we are. We Why are. are your we're kids recording. Not screaming. We're recording this right now. Well, you're always recording. Okay. I always assume that whenever I talk to either of you, you're recording, whether oh, yes. it's a personal phone call or not. <laughs> it's so evident. Okay. That would be it's accurate. What, it's what we call evidence. <laughs> <laughs> Why aren't you screaming? Like, What's going on? Because I just put Sesame Street on, and I have one attached to a, a, a part of my body that I can't mention <laughs> on air because I think that it would need to be bleeped out. <laughs> You've had no problem saying things that need to be bleeped out in the past. Let's uh, put it out there. So what's, I you, know, but are then you, Chris always complains because then are, he has to go through and edit it. Right? And are you lazy? And so are, are you saying lazy. the the? Are you milking now? <laughs> I I am milking. I'm a cow. Um, oh my! God. And I I spend either my day attached to a machine or to a the child. infant that I spawned. Yeah. Well. Um. How is it being a mother again? Well, I, it's not like I stopped being a mom in the first place. <laughs> well, 
I don't know. I mean, when you add a second kid, and Chris has three, so God help him. But when you add a second kid, the whole dynamic changes. It really does. Yeah, it does. I mean, yeah, it's it's different. I'm actually finding it very, like, I'm very calm about it, which is not me at all. Like, you know, you guys know me. I'm super stressed out all the time, and I freak out, and I over-exaggerate things, and I'm pretty dramatic. But well, uh, Can no, you, Chris, mark the time no, on this no, and no, make no, sure no. that you have it marked on so we can what, use this later on, please? She admitted it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm also very honest, apparently, in my postpartum ways. So, Other what do you than, think about Donald Trump, Sarah? While we're on, while we have you on the line, uh, oh, got you being why would you have to? Like, okay, I was just about to talk about how I don't have postpartum depression, and then you bring up Trump. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you mean President Trump? <laughs> oh, so I, I'm just gonna sit here. I don't want to talk, talk about, about motherhood. We want to talk about Trump. I'm on to... maternity leave. I don't have to deal with work right now. I don't have to think about it. That is true. Let me let me ask you let me ask you this. And if you don't want to answer it, that's fine. And I mean, it's a halfway serious question. I don't expect you to give me an answer that your husband would give, or any military people necessarily that you know. But what is your what is your feeling on what you think military people think of the idea of a President Hillary or a President Trump? Well, I've met people. I think that it's kind of the the same. So the military, whenever somebody asks me a question like that, it's always like the military is just a cross section of America and it's just a small portion of it. So I've met people who, you know, roll their eyes like everybody else. And I've met people who are ardent defenders of him and some of the things that he supports. Um, So, you know, it, it really is a cross section. It depends on who you talk to. I think most people are kind of in general, are just kind of like, how did we get to Trump versus Clinton? Like, how, how is, and I think that's a general sentiment, like, this is really what our 2016 presidential election will look like, is an Oompa versus the Crypt Keeper, like, (laughs) this this is where we are. The Crypt Keeper. Oh my God, that was wonderful. Um, this is this is why you need Sarah. Sarah is always honest, but yep. for like pregnancy and post-pregnancy, Sarah, she should have like 15 kids and we should just interview her and film a series that can air over the years because she is in rare form six <laughs> for six months after having a baby, at least. So okay, so I, we- I think I think I'm always in rare form. I just kind of have a filter um that disappears after, you know, during pregnancy and then after having a kid. It's just I'm just like, I can get away with stuff, so I do. But I think that's kind of how I look at it. Is your first kid giving you problems at all with the second kid yet? Or has that not happened? No, she Emily loves Hannah. She's super protective. Like, when I bring Hannah around other um is super interested in her at some times. And then she does the toddler thing where she's not interested in anything. And, you know, like, she fluctuates from being, like, super fascinated to distracted by you know butterfly or something Mm -hmm. um she when she does come close to hannah she gets so excited about it that she tends to be pretty aggressive with like hey i'm gonna touch the baby and she ends up smacking her but it's not they all do that yeah they they're they're they have no clue well they don't have they don't have hand-eye coordination no they're they're out of control they're out of control yeah they're nuts i'm sorry kids between between 18 months and four years old are out of control. There is no containing yeah. it. Mm-hmm. There's there's nothing because I mean it's like you can try to reason with them and they understand you, but they're like, but 
I can't express myself any other way than by doing this. And then they slam a cup of milk or a plate or their hands on something or someone. And it just, you know, doesn't end well. And Sarah, this is how you still behave at like 32, correct? <laughs> did you really have to say a number? Did you, did you really have to do that? Well, he, I thought he lowballed it. I thought he was just being nice. No, no. <gasps> I'm, ki- I'm kidding. Young. I'm kidding. That wasn't nice. That wasn't. That well, Chris, you hit the big four zero this I, year, as I, we know. I did hit the big four zero, yeah. So I'm over forty. You're ancient compared to Billy and I. I that's right, elderly, if you will. Yeah. Um, well, needless to say, sir, did you have a good Mother's Day? We did. I um, so I mean, when you have two children under the age of two, you don't really get any kind of break, you know. One, even if my husband was fantastic, and he, you. He tried to to bear the the brunt of the responsibilities for child care yesterday, but um, when they're both so small, it's all hands on deck as needed. Well, and breastfe- well breastfeeding was probably difficult for him. <laughs> well, yes, um, he tried. You know, God bless him, but it hasn't really worked out. All he well. got was a hip. Uh, well, all he got was a hickey. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> so, <laughs> so weird. You're so, so weird. So. Uh, uh, I was going to ask you another question about the baby, but you told us, okay, now I was telling Billy before we got, before we called you, you were harassing us. Oh, I was going to ask you, did, what did he cook for you? Because you told me that he cooked you something before that was kind of questionable. Oh, so the, what did he make for you this first, time? The first thing that my husband ever made me, because I think you had asked me about if he was going to make me breakfast on Mother's Day or something. Um, but the first thing that my husband ever cooked for me was the week after we got married and he was so excited and it was kind of like, it was a a slow moving disaster. (laughs) So he, he fries an egg and he overcooks the egg and he puts it on a plate. And then he, I'm using air quotes when I say sauteed broccoli and onions in honey and maraschino cherry juice. Why? I, I don't know. That's then, trying. That sounds trying. A, that was, sounds about as good as strawberries and runny eggs. I know it was. Oh, that's what we were talking about. We were talking about. No, no, the, no! Stop! Who, who, time out! Time who, out! Stop! Who, stop! <laughs> oh, this is interesting. Wait a minute. Chris always gets upset when everyone else stops the story because it's like, oh, I don't want to offend my family member who I've been secretly talking about to Chris, and now. <laughs> Well, I don't want to get her in trouble either. And now Chris is trying to stop a story. But what I would well, say is Sarah, Sarah trouble, when it comes to food, she's we like a super nanny when it comes to yes. things. They got to be yes. perfect because Sarah's a perfectionist. So if there was any ingredient that shouldn't have been there, super nanny Rivette would no, have we made were laughing. sure. Okay, let me let me say before, before I say we're going to get in trouble. We're not going to get in trouble. We were laughing about a video that was posted on Blaze Facebook or something. It was something Josiah had created about cooking food and different ingredients and things. And he created something that had an egg on it and strawberries, which is fine, but the egg was was runny and then you had the strawberries with it. And I'm like, I don't think I would eat strawberries with with runny eggs. I like runny eggs and I like no. strawberries. I don't think that I would put them together. And you and I were joking about that. Yeah, it, I wouldn't put them on the same plate. Right. I'd put them in the same breakfast area, yeah. but not... Oh my God, I can't. On the same plate. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> what did Brian make for you? He sauteed onions and broccoli in honey and Wait, and cher- maraschino cherry juice. So where did he get like that? you know? Where did he get that idea? 
I I think like the day or two before I made breakfast and I sauteed spinach and I did like like kind of like an omelet thing with like a like an open omelet with eggs and spinach and a bunch of other stuff on it. And maraschino and cherries? Got the idea. No, there was no cherry. And so him and I had a very long conversation about you know, when it's appropriate kitchen? to mix sweet and savory foods. Um, <laughs> like maple bacon. It's crazy. Maple bacon is appropriate. Um, honey and broccoli's, broccoli is not appropriate. You know? I don't know. I think honey and broccoli can be appropriate. I don't think Have so. you tried it? Yeah, it's actually really good. You're lying. As no, like a okay, sauce. You're a liar. Like a, no, like you're a, a honey, a honey <laughs> sauce. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, I'm not believing you. <laughs> I don't believe. I think barbecue either. sauce is really good with broccoli too. Barbecue sauce is good with any. Barbecue sauce is good with Barbecue sauce. So how do you guys explain that then? Barbecue sauce doesn't have honey in it. There and you is honey put it on barbecue broccoli. sauce. Yes, there is honey barbecue sauce. But you wouldn't. You still wouldn't put it on broccoli. With maraschino, cher- with maraschino, che- with maraschino cherry juice. Well, what wait is a the, minute. No, I'm going to defend Brian here a little bit. Of course you are. I I think actually roasted broccoli with barbecue sauce is a thing. Okay, this wasn't roasted broccoli. This was put in a pan with juice and ch- with cherry juice and with um, honey and onions. And onions. Well. And then put over a cold, overcooked that fried like, egg. That sounds like something you'd, you'd feed to somebody who lost a bet. Yes. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> so what did he make? I don't what know. Did I'm see- what, did I'm... He, what did he cook for you? This what, Billy's going to continue to justify his outlandish eating <laughs> eating habits while we, while we continue to have a, a normal, rational discussion. What did he make for you this, <laughs> this year? Did he Frosted Flakes? What did he do? <laughs> The only breakfast that he's allowed to make is waffles. I bought him a waffle maker <laughs> with and nothing he can on, make waffles. With um, nothing on them? Just cook the waffle and tell me when it's done. Yeah, pretty much. And I put everything I want on them. Okay, there you go. That's the safe way. He's not allowed to add anything to he, the waffle batter either, like some sort of seasoning or anything? No. Okay. I hear a creature. I hear a baby. Yeah, she's... um Detached. Unhappy. All right. Well, you know what, Sarah? You go and you take care but of her. She was going to tell us. Fun. But she was. Oh no. She was. She's, she was, she's fine. She's, she, she's easy to. Oh, I wanted to hang up. I love was, hanging up on. She people. was. Be, she was begging to come on the show to tell us about her birth story. Remember? Oh. Oh yes. So what happened? You so, ran into Yosemite Sam. I remember. That's the thing that I pulled from your whole discussion about this. Well, and that's the only. That, I mean, besides you know her being born at the very end of it, that's the Yosemite Sam that's the only highlight. Okay. Um, so it was my water broke at home at about 3:45 in the morning and it was raining here in San Antonio and if anybody's ever been to San Antonio and it's ever rained oh, you know that it's like impossible to drive because no one knows what they're doing. So even at 3:45 in the morning when you think oh there'll be no traffic um we ran into to traffic because people who were on the road didn't know how to drive on the roads because of the rain. But Brian gets us to about a mile away from the hospital, the exit off of the highway for the hospital, because the military hospital that we went to is um, like all the way across town. So it's probably, we've been on the road for about half an hour. My contractions are four to five minutes apart. um, Chris can relate to that. Chris can relate to contractions after he has hot food. Continue. (laughs) (laughs) So we get 
to about a mile away from the um, the hospital. Hannah, what is that noise? I think she she might be working on a diaper at the same time. Chris is so, too. You're good. Well, uh, Billy Billy brings out the poop in people, so there you go. I believe it. Um, so we get to this. We're really close to the exit, and then all of a sudden, we're in a construction zone. Like, there's no signs telling us that there's going to be nightly lane closures or anything like that, and it's just two of the three lanes of traffic are closed, and the one lane of traffic that is open is um, got five or six tractor trailers that we can see. We can't see around the tractor trailers. We don't know what's in front of them. We don't know how long this line is, and we don't know why we're stopped. Hannah. What is wrong with you? Okay, sorry. She's breathing again. Did your baby I think stop? I suffocated her. Did, did I you... think I suffocated her for a minute. You... What? Wait a second. You're suffocating your baby on like... the show? And now Hi. Emily's in my lap at the same time. Hi, Emily. Hi, Emily. Hi, Emily. Can you say hi? Hi. Don't press the red button. Can you say hello? Hi. Hi. She's you know, smiling. <laughs> she's so cute. Okay. Oh. Yeah, she doesn't want me to give the phone back. So I'm going to shout over her so you can hear the rest of the story. So we get there, and Brian decides, okay, I'm not going to wait in this line of traffic. And he moves into the two closed lanes. And a sheriff um, in a big truck, like, pulls up on us. Um, in the- oh, yeah, hey. <laughs> and he gets oh, I don't know what happened. I'm sorry. Oh, oh we no. lost her. Emily must have hit the red button. Sarah, <laughs> I think we've lost Sarah. <laughs> Billy. Oh, we've, are, we've lost her. Um, that was tragic. Person. You are such a jerk. Is <laughs> that my father kid hit the red button? She kept saying, don't hit the red button. <laughs> <laughs> I just she's don't understand. She's going don't to hit the, don't hit the red button. <laughs> Not that complicated. She is going to kill you. You know that, right? Um. Well, maybe <laughs> she should deal with her daughter's behavior, which is clearly out of control. <clears throat> Ava would. My oh, daughter would have hit the red button. Let me tell you, over and over and I over know, again. I know that she would. You know what? Let's let's take a break so we can play the commercial and we'll come back. And I want people need to hear what happened on our Mother's Days. All right? Would that work for you? Whatever. It's all right. Too bad. We're going to do it anyway. The founder of this company 10 years ago was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Realestateagentsitrust.com Back to the church boys. Well, we apologize for that little uh, uh, little uh, technical snafu there. But frankly, we were both tiring of Sarah's story. So... <clears throat> Billy. <laughs> can we t- wait? Can we just talk about Mother's Day for a yes, minute? Yes, I though? think that we should. Let's have a serious, thoughtful discussion no, about Mother's Day. I don't like greeting and the cards. Can we start fest there? That it is. Hmm? Can we start with greeting cards? 
please? Yes, we can start with green. Why? Cards. There's a, an entire industry that is just duping us all out of three ninety nine to six ninety nine or even more for these little pieces of garbage that you write a message on and that oh everyone's so happy they oh, open I it know. and they read it I and know. guess what they're extra depressed when there's no check in it or right. money in it but fine it's empty it's got a nice little card about how you're a wonderful mother you're a wonderful I father you're Merry Christmas whatever Happy Birthday and then those cards go in the trash right or they go in some box that nobody opens right. for thirty years right. Right, they're but, awful. Greeting cards are awful, and it's and they're three they're three to seven dollars <laughs> a piece, right? And depending on the person you're giving to them, if they are insisting on cards from everyone in the family, then then you've got you, you could you could you could spend upwards of a thousand dollars on Chris on on uh, Mother's Day cards for one um, person, or you could go to the Dollar Tree, oh, which which they sell them two for a dollar, and they're nice cards, okay. Do they they deliver them to your home? No. I actually will go to a Dollar Tree or an Aldi because I'm saving so much, so I will go. There's some classy classy people (laughs) there that you spend time with. I will go to an Aldi any day. I love Aldi. Anyway, so I will go. Now, we will buy. We will map out the whole year because I refuse. Let me tell you, last Mother's Day, we spent $55 on cards, Mm. and it never happened again. And you know what else? My family is obsessed. $55 on cards? on just cards for Mother's Day? Yes, it was awful. Oh, it was awful. That is awful. And th- our families are obsessed with cards. Like, if my parents don't get a card on time for a birthday or something, oh, really? like, there's hell to pay. You never hear the end of it. Um, I just, I, I think cards are nice when you send them and whatever. Like, it is what it is. But but I think the obsession over cards that people have is insanity. Mm-hmm. It's I pure agree. insanity. I agree. It's a waste. And it's not very green. <laughs> Did you see the terrorist text? Sorry about that. Emily took the phone and ran across the room and hung up. Well, okay, there you go. That's there you go. That's Emily what happened. Up. See, Emily hung up. <laughs> um, I told you her daughter was out of control. <laughs> okay, there's the second one. Don't read it out loud. But I wonder if it was curdled. If that was the problem. <laughs> oh my god, I can't. Um, All right, but the card thing. So this weekend. I had purchased the wife's gifts from the kids for for mothers, and they're just fun little things. We don't do a big deal, but I hadn't bought my wife a card yet for me, and figured I'll go to the store and do that on Saturday, and and I had planned to do it, and then just got wrapped up in a bunch of things. And my sister happened to be at the store, and I called her and I said, "Listen, I'm not gonna have time to get to the store. Would you please just pick out a card for my wife?" Is <laughs> <laughs> your wife? So knows. I put a lot of thought into no. And she never will because she doesn't listen to the show. So <laughs> this will be the one episode she listens <laughs> <Right>. to. <clears throat> anyway, but I'm anyway. I'm not a fan of days of observation. Ugh. You know what I mean? Or days of recognition? I think. Listen, if you want to be honored on Mother's Day or honored on Father's Day, you got to earn it. I'm not going to just give you a. I shouldn't have to just give you a Mother's Day, right? You shouldn't just oh. automatically get one. You got to earn it. You know, and if you were a crappy mom for you know 50 percent of the year or more. No Mother's Day for you this year. My brother-in-law and I, and I'm not, not that you and I, not that. that you and I are worried about that, but I just mean in general. Well, no, public. Father's Day is another issue. Yeah, I same don't, thing with Father's Day. It, it's it becomes another Christmas. It becomes this like thing 
that it I think of course we want to honor people and all that but like when we become so consumed like we mm-hmm. joke my brother-in-law and I that it's basically little Christmas that's what it is oh. it's little Christmas it's you know get, we have a rule when we host Mother's Day and this is based on past experience there is nothing more enraging <laughs> than getting a brunch together and you know my wife and I were like rushing you're trying to do all this food preparation <clears throat> with kids and everybody walks in and they sit down and they want to open gifts up I'm sorry Santa didn't come this isn't Christmas right Sit your butts down at my table and you're eating the eggs before they get cold. Like it is enraging. So we actually this year we actually told people we are not opening gifts. You will all wait. There are no children getting gifts today. It's all adults, and then we can wait till after we eat. So uh but see like my wife's pretty good about it. She's she appreciates the gifts and things and likes to get a card and would be just I think would be disappointed if we didn't do something to recognize. Like my mom, I mean, and part of where I get my attitude about holidays is from my parents because they just don't give a rip. Like my mom's like, don't give me cards and flowers because that's a waste of money. The flowers are going to die. So we always get my mom some sort of potted plant that she can continue to use over and over. And the kids make her cards. And then the wife will buy her a card and we'll, you know, write it or have the kids write it or both. <clears throat> Maybe do one card, but we just don't go overboard on the expense. It's just so stupid. And uh, like, I like Christmas and Easter because they're both Jesus things, right? I like 4th of July because there's a lot of gunpowder. And I like Thanksgiving because turkey. I mean, and I do. I do like birthdays. That's where you and I, I, I differ a little bit. I, I do. I do enjoy birthdays. I think they're fun. Like your own or like other people's birthdays. Uh, I like both. That's I like both. I, I think they're. I, I think it's fun. I think it's fun. Everybody can celebrate it, right? Because like the thing about mother, mother, Mother's Day and Father's Day too, it's like okay, well, we have this whole subset of society that doesn't have a holiday, so that I guess they have to celebrate Pancake Day. I mean, I don't, what do they get? What do they get? Uh, and then there's grandparents. I mean, there's a day every single day. And yeah, the fact of the matter is, um, I'm not buying greeting cards for all of these things. I just can't, I, I can't handle it. Or, or I'm going to the Dollar Tree. That's all I'm doing. Can we talk about Trump, please? Yeah. Just a second. Let's, let me fix this here. I got to go to Trump and... <clears throat> there you go. Because the so, thing... Okay. Yeah, since we last talked, Trump has become the presumptive nominee. He's going to be the nominee. Right. I mean, okay. I mean, unless the, he the, dies, God right. forbid, the term we have, but the, the term nominee. we have to use in media is presumptive GOP nominee. I mean, that's Agreed. Just right. And that's what we use. It's an annoying term, but we have to use it because he doesn't have the number he needs. Uh, but until it's official, he's not the nominee. And, and that was a conversation yesterday at, at brunch, Mother's Day brunch. Well, oh, dear. You know, how did we get here? And actually, one of my family members who's fairly liberal said, you know, she can't stand either candidate. Right. And she said, Hil- Hillary is like a seven and Trump's like a 10, you know, on the awful scale. She's like, they're both awful. <laughs> uh, and there are people at the table who like Hillary, though. Yeah. Uh, and f- a few of them, very few of them. Uh, but the few Bernie supporters in there. And then you know, there's my wife and I who don't like anybody. But, um, you know, I just I still I become more and more agitated. And I feel like every episode I get more and more. And I'm probably going to offend Pedro because I know, Pedro, this is not directed at you because I think you're a never Trump person. But I am so tired of seeing the hashtag never Trump. I am, too. Because guess what? A, it's like PR 101. You never win on being against something. It never really works. They're ter- it's a terrible hashtag. Second of all. Never Trump, and I said this. I said this two months ago, and Chris will disagree. I'm sure we're gonna have an argument about this. It really means always Hillary at this point, or I love Hillary, or Hillary. I want Hillary to win because that is. These are your two candidates. You can run your third party candidate. You can get your unicorns and your prairie dogs and whoever else you want to come in to make you think that you're gonna be some other person, but there's not. It's gonna be one of these fools. 
Now, never Trump really is real is really more is isn't always Hillary isn't I love it Hillary. is it, no no here's what it is it's Hillary's just as bad or no Hillary's, it is always Hillary's Hillary the same. because Hillary's the same yeah I mean, it's always Hillary but see, I'm, if, I I am tired of the never Trump movement as far as far as like the hashtag thing however as you know I have no problem with people being I'm not going to vote for Trump because. I, I, when do I stop attaching myself to the lesser of two evils? Well, you well, here's the thing. One of those evils is going to win. So you pick the evil that's going to be less evil and people have to decide who that is. It, depend, and if you, it depends on if what the long term that is, is, though. But I don't disagree with the sentiment, but I think that we've moved into this bizarre position of people making voting into some sort of religious right that, you know, your your religion and your faith is so tied to how you vote that you just can't. <laughs> Sorry, there are two evils and you need to pick the lesser of them because one of them but, is going to be president. But it's, okay, but so that's that's but that's part of the, the, the equation that you have to figure out. If you have to listen, if you put a gun to my head and tell me I got to pull the trigger, I have to pull the lever for one of these two people. Then sure, I can ma- I can make a selection, <clears throat> but here's here's where I have some issues as far as the lesser of two evils. Are you talking short term or long term? Because the fact is, of the two existing of the two existing political parties, the only one that is possibly a vehicle for the conservative movement, the only one that's a possible vehicle vehicle for the conservative movement and or the religious freedom movement, the only party that's a vehicle for it is the Republican Party. Now. If Donald Trump is the nominee, <clears throat> excuse me, if Donald Trump is the nominee and his economic policies are the same as or worse than or just barely worse than <laughs> Hillary's and and the economy goes to hell, the to- the country's in the toilet or whatever, whatever the, the worst case scenario is as far uh, by a lot of the naysayers. If Trump's the if Trump's the guy, if Trump's the president and all of that happens, guess who gets the blame for it? Conservatives in the Republican Party. Republicans in general, the, the the party gets blasted, and conservatives within the Republican Party, especially, right, because they're the ones who quote own the Republican Party. So if Trump gets becomes president and everything goes to hell, as a lot of these experts think that it would, with his policies, if his policies are implemented, then who gets the blame? The one vehicle that's a possible mover and for the for the conservative movement. So long term, it might be better to have a Hillary, possibly. I don't know, but. But I can't. But eventually, but eventually, I have to draw the line somewhere. You don't always go with the lesser of two evils, and we've talked about this before. We draw the line somewhere. Everybody draws the line somewhere when they're willing to, when they are, when they are no longer willing to vote lesser of two evils. It, it, it could be Hillary versus Trump. It, I it could be versus. It could be Hillary versus Trump. It could be again. I do not think that Trump or Hillary. I do not think that Trump or Hillary is Hitler or Mussolini at all. But no. if Hitler and Mussolini are on the ticket, do you vote for the lesser of two evils, or do you say, I'm not attaching myself to either one of them? Well, I don't Where know how anybody would Eventually, you draw map- a line. Eventually, well, you draw a line. I don't know how anybody maps out Hillary is if you're a conservative, right? And look, if you decide you want Hillary and that that's your lesser of two evils, and I, I respect that. But right. my point is for conservatives, there's no way the country rebounds. You're talking about another eight years of the same policies. You're not going to undo any of the stuff that's been done. Good luck. It's already going to be hard enough to do that. Right. So there is no good scenario for a conservative with Hillary having four to eight years in the White House. But but I understand your premise. But the problem is Republicans have voted for Trump. 
They have chosen him. So yep. regardless of what the party wants, the people have spoken. And that is what it is. We don't have to like it. I don't think either candidate is good. I think it's a mess. So I'm with you on all of that. But I do unfortunately think when it comes to presidential elections, we want to suddenly have these standards of it's it's almost like it's a religious right for us, the way people are talking about it. Like, oh, I could never attach myself to that. Well, you're either to blame for voting for Trump or Clinton, or you're to vote for the or you're to blame for the other person winning if you don't show up. It's still by not voting, you're still voting. That's my point. And people will say, no, I'm not, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. And the other people will say, oh, well, I'm just gonna write someone in. I'm gonna write someone's name in. Well, good job, write them in, but you're still voting for Hillary at no, that you're point. Not, because you're it's, not, a vote for Hillary is a vote for Hillary. I disagree a, with a that. A non-vote is not a vote for either one. I of disagree them. with that. You are you faced have, with no. you you are faced with two paradigms. Two potential paradigms, and we want to create a third that doesn't exist, that will never win, that will never be there. Those two paradigms are the possible paradigms that could win. That's I, it. There's I nobody else. I understand that. And so the fact is one of those two will be president, and okay, one of those two is going to be president. Right. And, that, okay. and that, But my point is these people on this, it's like they're so self-righteous about this. I and mean, it's gotten to the point of a total annoyance. And it, no, I'm sorry. What you're doing is you're guaranteeing that Hillary wins. And if you're comfortable with that, that's fine. But but it's frustrating that these are the same people who are going to wring their hands for the next eight years about how awful Hillary is. Well, look, you could still think that Trump is awful, too. But at least if you were a conservative, you have the hope that this man has to run for a reelection, right? Mm -hmm. And that when he does that, knowing that he's going to do that, he is going to have to abide by conservative principles to some degree by putting people in who a lot of us might like in that yeah. administration. And that's my point. You right. have a better shot of people who have your values with Trump, regardless of how awful he is, than you do with Clinton. And I'm saying this as somebody who probably still wouldn't vote <laughs> if it were happening today, but I'm so annoyed <laughs> yeah. by the people who are out there talking about this because I think it's doing serious damage to – and it's making people feel like they have this false – efficacy like they have some control over this like right. no you don't you're electing hillary clinton and now congratulations and, and what you're saying is is and you're saying that as someone who if the election were held today probably wouldn't vote for either of them and the difference is that you're not one of those radical zealots anti you know one of these pro never trump zealots right i mean that's the difference no and not, i'm not no, i'm I mean, not no. I, don't, I don't think you would call me a never trump zealot no it's just i that wouldn't it's it's those are the people you're talking about say listen everybody you you and I are kind of on similar pages when it comes to the Trump thing, and like if the, if the election were today, I would have to say no to both of them. But we're now, not what I wouldn't say is that I would never vote for him. I would say I would. Well, if the vote, if <laughs> I the have election, said before that I would never vote for Clinton, but maybe I would. Who knows? <laughs> if the election, if the election point, were today, and that's where I am. It's like right now, I can't see myself voting for right. him. I'm willing to be convinced. That's and where that's, we're on and the same page, and that's where and that's the criticism that you have of the quote "never Trumpers" that they're not willing to be convinced. But they're acting like they have some other option. They've been acting like this the whole time. And right, I was fine right. with it until Ted Cruz dropped out. Right. And after Ted Cruz dropped out, it then became – and I said this a, a month or two ago. When that happens and you're faced with the reality of one versus one right. on each side, right. you have to then make a decision. And that is when – so, I hate the lesser of two evils. But the fact of the matter is that is what people are faced with. Right. And one of those evils will be president. And you have to choose the one you think you have the better shot of having your values come through. And you're not electing a pope. You're not electing a pastor. Quit Christians. Quit acting like you're electing a, a freaking Christian here. Right. This is not what this right. is about. And by the way, you know, um, whatever. Don't don't get me going because it really bo <laughs> it bothers me the way that Christians are talking about this because I think it's, once again, you know, we are elevating. the And maybe this is the by factor of being too obsessed with, 
you know, what a candidate believes, what they think. I mean, we want good candidates. We want Christians in office. But when that option isn't there, you right. got to go for what you think is the best option. That's just my view. Yeah. No, I, I, I understand. And, and in fact, something happened with Trump this, this last week. Did you write about it today? Something I did. with Russell Moore. Was it Russell Moore? Yeah, Russell Moore. We've had yes. Russell, and we've had Moore on the show before to talk about his book, right? Yeah, it? oddly, was... he will not. He was ignoring my request to come back on. They've declined them actually, the which book. is strange. Oh, onward, onward is the book. They've turned down um, your request to come on. They have denied my request to come on. I, he just sent me a message thanking me. I don't know if it was for the story I wrote or what, but um, but his people have denied the request. About, about two weeks ago, I put in a request for him to come on, maybe three weeks ago. Uh, I'm not sure why, uh, but they have. and Because I'd love to have him on to talk through some yeah. of this. And you know, look, he's definitely a never-Trumper, I think. I, he's not walking around using the hashtag, as far as I know. But, but he has very serious issues with Trump character and, and ethics and and obviously he's not wrong about the things he's saying and they, they've gone back and forth and that's what the story we did was yeah. um russell moore went on face the nation and basically said and he's right he talked about this reality culture the reality tv culture that seeped yeah. into the presidential race and all that and and basically called people out for their support of trump and then trump shot back now what trump said is kind of insane he said you know russell moore is a truly terrible representative of evangelicals and and all of the good they stand for a nasty guy with no heart which anybody um, who knows russell moore would say well that's not right. not quite accurate right <laughs> now i love russell moore's response cuz first he writes sad he retweets it with sad with an exclamation point and then a few minutes later, he retweet he he tweets it uh, with an Instagram screenshot of what Trump said, and he writes First Kings eighteen seventeen through nineteen. Um, <clears throat> and when you go back and you look at and you look at that, it's the whole thing with Ahab Ahab and Elijah, mm-hmm. and it's basically this king who is is has terrible character, and you have Elijah the prophet with wonderful character, and and they're going back and forth, and and um, we I have the whole write up of that on on the blaze, but there's, he's clearly trying to make a comparison. It seems I mean he doesn't say it overtly; he just writes the scripture reference. That's it. He doesn't yeah. write anything else, <laughs> and he lets you kind of discern what you want to discern about it. Um, so. I thought that was funny. I, I can. I'm fine with that. And look, if you're going to attack people, Trump's got a. Trump has to realize he's a presidential candidate. He's going to be attacked, and and this is the response. So I thought it was comical. And he's, he writes in a separate message. More wrote, King David was no dime store demagogue. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So I, did they did they say why they won't come on? Is he just not want to deal with this? I mean, is the is he? Have, I found it is strange. He get, is he getting some backlash from the? Is he? He's with the the Baptist convention, right? Yeah, which I mean, I I don't think there's any issue. I don't know. Maybe it was just a scheduling thing. But I said, okay. well, could we do it here? Could we do it there? Maybe we do another time. And it, there was no openness. They didn't suggest another time. They didn't okay. say let's. Which, yeah. But then he's on Face the Nation talking about this, and uh, maybe he'll change his mind and come on. But he has ignored. Uh, I sent him a direct message. He ignored that piece of piece of my question. So okay. I don't know All right, why. Well. well, he's dead to us then. <laughs> I like him a lot. I think he's I'm a kidding. good guy. He but... seems. Like, I I really enjoyed our conversation with him. When we had him on before, so he seems but, like a good but guy. But where are people leading? That's my question. Where are people like Russell Moore? And I'm not necessarily calling him up, but he's the example. If the election were held tomorrow and they're telling people at that point, don't vote for Trump, vote this person, vote that person, you have to really consider where you're leading people. I wouldn't want to be in either position. I wouldn't want to be leading people away. I wouldn't want to be telling people to vote for Trump. Right. I just, <clears throat> I think there's a danger in assuming that our 
convictions, our faith, our being is so attached to a vote. I get I yeah. get it. And I want to vote for people who are like me. But I think there's also a bizarre notion there that right. maybe we're taking it a little too far. Now, this 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 gets us right into our first <laughs> interview. Remember? Steve yes. Dace. Remember? Yeah. Okay. You remember we had this interview we recorded? With I actually recently. didn't remember this interview. It's funny. Before I do now, but okay. before the, I was like, who did we interview? I, I had no, I, my book promotion has made my brain <laughs> we like just, We just dead. did this interview and Billy's like, mm, who talked to again? Like uh, the next day I didn't know who we yes, talked to. But we, we had a good discussion with, with uh, Steve Dace, a, a radio guy with Salem, and uh, he came on and talked to us. He's got a couple books out too, and, and I know, Billy, you were on his show to talk about your, whatever it is you wrote. And, uh, and he he had a very good take on on and he's kind of in the never trump crowd. I don't know if he's as rabidly never trump as some of the other never trumpers, but he talks about Christians and pastors who are promoting never trump and and where we maybe need to be a little bit careful in that promotion of Trump. Am I remembering correctly? I believe so. <laughs> yeah, I was there, but I don't remember the details. Okay. So now, he was great. I I love. Was. I think he's a great. And in fact, the nice part of interviewing him was that it was like on autopilot. He yeah. just he, he almost did the interview, like took it over. He yeah, almost, he was like, great. Co-hosted yeah. with us, and he's a very likable guy, and he's he's very talented and smart, and quotes people that I've never read because which is more to, that we could right. say for either of us, right? Because they've made picture books of these books that he's referring to. So, so we'll go ahead and run that then. Let's do it. Roll it. It's Billy Hollowell here with the Church Boys. I have Chris Field on the line, and we have our guest today, Steve Dace. How are you doing today? Hey, guys. It hey. is a pleasure to be with you. Thanks for having me. So you obviously are a radio host. You're an author. And you've got a couple of books we want to talk to you about, um, one fiction, one nonfiction. But I guess before we even get into all to all of that, I have to ask you, because I think it's been a while since you and I, you and I talked um, – but we have not talked about the current political season that we have going on. What is your, what is your take about where where we are right now politically in this country? Oh, I'm screwed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, is that the technical term? <laughs> yes, I, I think that um, um, you know, if you want to make a broad theological statement for just a second, and. Um, I hesitate to do this because, you know, we on, on my syndicated show, we try to talk about serious subject matter, sometimes seriously, but sometimes not to take ourselves too seriously. But right. I, I do think that you have all the earmarks, if you looked at the characteristics of a culture in decline, mm. and even one that, um, you know, this is, this is like the Romans won election. And you are watching the last, you know, vestige of Romans won these are people who enjoy creating new ways to do evil and encouraging others to do the same. Uh, you're watching this play itself out. And you look at, we have, you know, most likely three people or four people are the most likely to be president. Only one of them presents any semblance of a biblical worldview, of, of standing for the traditions of our, of our founding fathers, of being a conservative, meaning he wants to conserve what founded and established this is the greatest country on earth. The other guy is essentially all over the place. Um, you know, he's been a liberal, he's been a paleocon, he's been a pretend con, he's been a progressive, and really he's just an authoritarian egotist. He'll take whatever position he has to take for his advancement of his self-actualization. 
And then you look at Hillary Clinton. She is the worst of crony capitalists, and she's essentially running on, is, wouldn't it be great to have a woman president, even though everything I've touched I failed at prior to this. <laughs> and then you look at Bernie Sanders, who wants to turn the sin of covetousness into a political ideology with socialism and taking the, wolf, the welfare state to its full Monty, dial it up to 11 positions. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, when you've got four <laughs> options for president, guys, and only one of them is even remotely good, you're kind of screwed. Well, when you put it that way, it sounds awful. <laughs> it's everything. Everything is. It's the exact opposite, guys. Of everything is awesome. It is everything yeah. is awful. This is this is America's no good, very bad, horrible election. And and if, what you're really watching on a broad scope, I believe, you know, for years, uh, you know, folks like us have been reading uh, George Barna's demographic studies, and we're like, man, it's going to really suck when when these studies actually come home to roost. Right. Well. They are now coming home to roost, and it does suck every bit as much as we were afraid of 10, you know, 15 years ago. This is the first election that really, I mean, there's been vestiges of it and sort of, um, you know, uh, you know, early palpitations of it. But this is the first election where the full baby, deli- the full baby has been delivered of the of the collapse of the American church. It is very real, and it is not spectacular. Right. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because we, we've had a number of people on the show, and, and we'll talk about some of the Pew numbers. And I think and, – and I want you to disagree if you disagree, but I think some people have their head in the sand a little bit. You know, you'll, you'll kind of talk through those numbers, and it's like, oh, no, no, nothing is happening to Christianity. Just the people who don't really practice are, are just – now they're saying they're not Christians anymore. It's like, well, I don't know if that's true necessarily. When you really dive into those numbers, it seems to be there's, there are some things happening. There are decreases and church size. There, there is definitely fewer people saying they believe the Bible to be true. Would you agree with that assessment that there seems to be a little bit of a downward trend right now? I don't think there's any question about that. You know, I, uh, a favorite, I wish I could remember her name, I'd give her credit, but a libertarian mommy blogger wrote something about a year and a half ago that I thought really encapsulized where we're at right now. And, and, and she said, it's too late to work within the system, but it's too early to start shooting yet. Okay. And so, um, I, I think that there, is, there are still more of us than the progressive uh, tolerance mob would like to admit, and not as many of us as we like to believe. Yeah. So I think we are, that's why you still see these clashes over bakers and florists, because the progressives are trying to push the, the pedal to the metal on their agenda, like they did in Europe uh, over the last 20 years. But they did it in Europe at the time that the church had fully abrogated its position of prominence within Western Europe. The church still has a position of prominence. It is not the position of prominence. So there is still enough life in the old lady where we create conflicts when they try to say, no, the state will be now in whom we live and breathe. And, and so you're going to see more of those clashes. They will be even more uh, spectacular uh, and even more regular and repetitive, regardless if any of the other three options wins this presidential election, the story of the next four years you will see will be government either doing nothing to defend religious freedom or deciding to go ahead and put the boot to the throat to it once and for all. And, and, and that's really what bothers me the most is when I see the role that Christians have played in this, mm. you know, I think Trump's evangelical support has been overblown to some extent when you look at the numbers and you start playing around with exit polling like I do for a living and you find that the two groups of people that are the least likely to vote for Trump throughout the course of this primary have been people that have college degrees and people who go to church once a week. That's why yeah. he lost Utah so badly. The only state in the union where a majority of the people still go to church weekly is Utah. But, but he did sweep almost all of those Bible Belt states, and this is where the church is in trouble in the culture. 
Because when he swept a bunch of those Bible Belt states, despite the fact he was open and honest, that he didn't care at all about what, Je- what forgiveness Jesus was offering, didn't care at all about a biblical worldview, but thought he could bastardize and pander his way through it, and he still won all those Bible Belt states. Here's the problem with that, guys. That means you've got a bunch of evangelicals, or people who think they're evangelicals, but they're not. They're conforming to a cultural norm. It's a little bit like if you spend a lot of time, Billy, where you live in New York City, you're going to run into a lot of people because they went to St. Anthony's to a kid who think they're Catholic, but they think, you know, they think the Eucharist is a card game, okay? They don't. They couldn't spell <laughs> transubstantiation, let alone know what it means. Right, they just right. think, because I live on the East Coast, and I'm from New York and Boston, and I went to St. Anthony's, I'm Catholic. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of people in the South because they got a gun rack, and they like NASCAR, and they believe in America. They think they're evangelicals because First Baptist Church is just down the street. Turns out that is not the case, and right. that's a major wake-up call for the church. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. What, were you going to say something, Chris? Well, I was, was going to ask, so... As bad as it's as bad as it all seems to be, and I don't I don't doubt that it is. And if it turns out to be a, a Hillary versus Clinton um, election, and uh, taking the things that you I love your Freudian slip there, Hillary versus Clinton. Sorry, when you sorry, meant Trump, I yes, love that Hillary versus <laughs> Trump. Perfect Freudian slip. You nailed that, Chris. You nailed it. Well I, know, I know, I know, I know that I did, and that makes me sad. But uh, the things that you said at the beginning, right? It's like. If, if, if what you're looking for is comfort right now, turn off the podcast. But let me then let me <laughs> let me then ask what what do you say to the people who hear what you said and they're on the ledge right now? How do you talk them off the ledge? I and mean, what's your response to those folks who are everything is not awesome? And I agree. And, you know, let's just end it all. Well, I actually think when you look at the history of Christianity, it does its best work when everything's on the ledge. Yeah. The bane of the bane of the Christian is comfort. The bane of the Christian is societal acceptance and dominance. And we do our best work when we are the counterculture. Yeah. Never forget that we go to church on Sunday and we worship a savior that the that, that we murdered. We murdered our own savior. And when they when they when they push that stone in front of that tomb, things look pretty bleak. I mean, we like to talk about how dark the world looks today. How about living in a world where God showed up and people said, you know what, I'm just going to murder him in cold blood. That's a pretty dark place, yeah. you know. And but but you know, the beauty of Christianity is, you know, Chesterton once said that America was the only country ever founded on a creed. Well, Christianity is the only religion ever founded on a fact. It is not founded on a creed. It is not founded on a dogma. It is not founded on even a worldview or a belief system, or even faith. Hmm. It is founded on this simple fact. Did God supernaturally intervene in human history to raise his son from the dead or not? If Christ be not raised, then your preaching is in vain, and you're all fools. You're still dead in your sins. If that didn't happen, then we are morons. If it did happen, then and only then must the world take everything else we say from that point forward seriously. And so, you know, if, if, you, if your worldview begins with if the alpha of your worldview, your genesis is God intervenes in the affairs of men, that when it seems the darkest, that he raises the dead to life, that death has lost its sting, that the last enemy, death, has been conquered. If that is the foundation of your belief system, then ledge walking, as it's defined by humanism or the culture, is not an option for you. Hopelessness is not an option for you. And guys, I'll just tell you this. I am so gosh darn competitive, I will find a way to declare victory in any situation. So here's how I'm doing it in this. (laughs) Moving forward, at the very least, here's what this election and Donald Trump has accomplished. He has been used, I think, divinely as a winnowing fork. 
We know who all the pretenders are now. Yeah. We know who all the wolves in sheep's clothing are now. We know who all the cancers are now. Everybody has, uh, we know who the weak among us are. We know who the people who don't really have the stones to stand up to what's about to hit the culture really are. There, that, that there has been a massive pruning, and, every, and we don't have to blacklist people. They have self-identified, and, and that's the good news is you're a lot less likely now to go to war with someone in, in the culture, that is, with someone in the trench next to you who is going to stab you in the back while they're shooting you from the front. Right. Now, I think, but, that that's, I think that that's absolutely true, especially among um, cultural leaders and uh, talk radio and, and media types. I do question, I think that it all, there is a winnowing and I think there is a pruning as you, as you, as you stated it. Uh, within even just like average citizens within the church, but I think it's more of a mm-hmm. these are the people who need to have um, some more. You, if you're a pastor or if you're a leader within your church who sees what's going on, you say these are some people who need some better grounding and who I need to work on because I have plenty of good solid Christian friends who love the Lord, and if they get hit by a cement truck tomorrow, I know are going to heaven. But our our Donald Trump supporters or Hillary Clinton or 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 or, or Bernie Sanders supporters. However, the arguments that they are making shows me where it is they need help and where they need to be worked on. And I think that I I, th- I do think that there's a winnowing and a pruning, as you say. But I think that it happens in different degrees with within the within the Christian community. Is that fair? I think that is. A, I think that's a good distinction, Chris. And a couple of years ago, I spoke at a pastoral conference in Washington D.C., and one of the other speakers there uh, had served in Vietnam. And he said, when you serve, and he had served in a hot zone in Vietnam. And he said, you know, when you serve in an active war theater, you learn the difference between an opponent and an enemy. Yeah. He said, an opponent is somebody who just disagrees with you. An enemy wants to end you. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that there's a couple of lessons, if you believe in engaging the culture, that we haven't learned, that, that we're learning the hard way this cycle. One is there's a difference between a friend and a friendly. Um, and I talk about this in my 2014 book, Rules for Patriots, yeah. that in, in politics, you will not have many friends. You will have lots of friendlies. You may have people that at a given point, your, your values or your interests align with theirs, so you are co-belligerents, but you will have very few friends that stick closer than a brother. And on the other side, it's you got to know the difference between an opponent and an enemy. Right. And I, you know, what, what, what is interesting in my case, because I'm someone that's done probably 100 interviews the last four or five years on MSNBC of all places. And everybody on there, I disagree with vehemently. But but with only a couple of exceptions in all those interviews, that I come away with the feeling as if those people are my enemy. Because they're at least being honest with me. They're at least telling me what they really believe. I think what they believe is a lie. Because it's, it's not true. But that doesn't mean they're liars in their hearts, meaning that their intent is to deceive. That in a, in a spiritual sense, they may be deceived. But they're not actively trying to deceive people right. in a treacherous way. Just what they believe is wrong. I think what we have on the right, unfortunately, is we do have a lot of very treacherous people. And I think of people like Jerry Falwell Jr. redefining what it means to be a Christian. When he's asked about Donald Trump, he says, well, look at the fruit of his life. He's created a lot of jobs. Guys, I know Trump's created a lot of jobs. Nowhere near as many jobs as Vivid Videos created there in the San Fernando Valley in the porn industry. Is that the new threshold for Christianity now? Yeah, yeah, Dennis. Jobs we create. Dennis Hoff. Dennis Hoff of the Bunny Ranch in in Nevada has created a lot of jobs. No doubt. All right, let me say. That's that's where, just let me finish that one point real quick, if you don't mind. When the people (laughs) wearing your jersey dumb down your belief system and redefine it, 
that is much more worrisome than the people wearing the other jersey who just oppose you. Let me let me ask you this, okay? And this is this is the challenge. I do I I do wonder if there's a big difference between somebody who says, you know, I don't like Trump, I'm not going to support him, I'm going to support Ted Cruz or whoever else, and then you come down to this election where you have Trump and Clinton, you have people who are going to say, mm -hmm. I'm going to I'm going to write someone in, I'm going to choose, you know, someone else. The fact of the matter is though, one of those people will be president, either Hillary or Trump. You know, and I think the big debate is, do you not vote? Do you then write somebody in? Or do you hold your nose and sort of say, you know what? Hopefully, hopefully, if you choose Trump and you're a conservative, he will at least hopefully bring people in that are representative of that or at least better people than who Clinton will bring in. How do you how do you react to that? I think that we love um, and, and we love binary, simple choices, right? because we want things nailed, uh, watered down for us. We want it malleable, we want it digestible. But we live in a world, guys, where unfortunately it can get very dark. And I was in a debate panel recently with somebody in California who is a big fan of um, Diedrich Bonhoeffer. And they were making this, this argument to me that, um, well, you know, you have to vote for the lesser of two evils. And I said, and, and I didn't necessarily disagree with his application towards this election, where Trump was concerned, I was uncomfortable with it as a macro narrative, that, as if to say the world could never pop. This country is just so good and righteous that it could never possibly pre present the lady or the tiger for the Christian, if you know the literary reference. Right, where yeah. there isn't, where it's a Kobayashi Maru, there is no good option. And so I pushed back on him and I said, you know, I would, I would bet someone that admires Diedrich Bonhoeffer as much as you do would recognize the fallacy of binary choices. You know, Ponhoeffer thought in the 1930s it was, a, it was a binary choice between imperialism and pacifism. And then he ran into a level of malevolence and evil where his binary choice was transcended, and he ends up now in a plot to assassinate a world leader and die in a concentration camp. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying we're facing those circumstances in America. We're not. But the point I'm making is I think we utter things that we want that to itch our own ears. We don't wait for others to do it for us. And so we have this assumption that because America has stood for good in the world, that therefore it ha it's beyond putting the Christian in the ultimate box. Here's what you're voting for if you're voting for, him, for Donald Trump. And this is all, these are all facts. Someone who says Planned Parenthood does very good things. Someone who through the course of this campaign was named Planned Parenthood's favorite Republican. Someone who says he will not defend marriage. Someone who says he will not defend religious liberty. Someone who says we're going to raise taxes. Someone who says we're going to grow government. Someone who's given money to every cause and every politician that you oppose. And someone that says, um, that, that says I, I don't require, I'm going to take the oath of office before God and to, to defend your rights in a republic that is entirely dependent on God-given rights. And I'm going to do so by, by being a functional atheist. And what I mean by that is I'm going to reject God's greatest gift of them all, his forgiveness. And I'm going to build my own Tower of Babel. I will bring God down to my level. He will function the way I want him to. I'll use his catchphrases to serve me. He will be my vending machine. That is what you are voting for. Now, here's the problem. That's also what you're voting for for Hillary Clinton. Now, if someone wants to sit here and say, if those are my choices, I'll take my 10% chance with Donald Trump. I'm, if, this, if you were one of those people that fought him in the primary all the way and you come to that conclusion, I don't have a beef with you. For me, he's a bridge too far. He's, he's going to force us. Guys, there's so many scandals and other issues that are going to come out. You're going to def, you're gonna have to defend 
All the stuff that the left has said about us for years, yeah. Trump has become successful by capitalizing on those stereotypes. And when this is over, when this primary is over, the only thing that generates more ratings than building the megalomaniac maniac up is tearing him down. Right. The media's goal in the end game of this, I want everybody listening to this to hear if, the, if everything I said on this podcast up until this point is gobbledygook and it sounds like Charlie Brown's teacher. Remember <laughs> what I'm about to say right here. The goal of elevating Trump has not just been ratings. For decades, the left and the media, and I apologize for the redundancy, the left and the media have been looking for a straw man to brand the rest of us with. Yep. He is the perfect douchebag for the job, exactly. and he even volunteers for it. The goal is to say, you know, at first they, the media guys might call somebody like me or Billy and say, why are all these evangelicals voting for Trump? I thought you guys believed in, you know, in a higher value system than that. What's going to happen in a few months is those same media people are going to write stories saying, see, those evangelicals are every bit the hypocrite we said they were. You can't trust those Christians. They really just, they're just haters. They're hypocrites. They have no standard at all. Put an R after a guy's name and they throw the Bible down the toilet. They just don't, they're just political hacks like the rest of us. Right. The goal is to brandish Christianity and conservatism with the negatives of Trump. That is the goal, and that's the end game. If they get in the nomination, that will be what you'll watch for the next five or six months. So for me, as someone who's 42 years old and just beginning to emerge in this industry, I, I would like, I'd like our generation to play the long game. Yep. The baby boom generation is one of the reasons they're in this position. They never played the long game. Well, I take it back. The liberals played the long game. The conservatives never did. So they just kept watering down their belief system every primary to support the next you know, piece of pig vomit that had an R after his name. When this is over and, and he's done completely tarnishing what it means to be an evangelical or conservative, we're going to need to have a group of people who can emerge from this untarnished by Trump and his cult so that they have enough credibility with the culture to save it. Yeah. If everybody jumps on board the Titanic, you're all going to sink. Yeah. So and, and I think that the, I think and I think I think that you make a good point on the how they're going to tarnish conservatives. Or, are you still there, Steve? Yes, I'm here. Oh, sorry. We had some. I had some phone glitches there. Sorry. Um, we uh, they will tar they will tarnish evangelicals with the Trump with the Trump narrative, but they'll also and I think that they, there's two arguments. One, they they tarnish evangelicals with the Trump narrative, and the other is if our response is well, evangelicals, true evangelicals, true Christians didn't support him. Whether or not that's a, a fair argument to make, the argument that they can respond with is then okay. Then evangelicals are much more ineffectual than we thought. Because you know, Cruz and the other quote evangelicals got their hats handed to them, and they and they don't have a role to play I, in, a, I don't in, a Trump, in a Trump. I I, I don't dis I, I don't disagree with that. That's the reality. I mean, yeah. you know, um, what percentage? Some of this is force of nature stuff. Sure. Um, you know, in any campaign, and I've been very close to Ted Cruz and his campaign so I'm, since for many months now. So, I'm, uh, you know, and in any campaign, you're going to make mistakes. Like any football coach, even Nick Saban, Bill Belichick. Sometimes their quarterback gets sacked. Not every play works. But, but the, what you try to avoid are tactical blunders. Yeah. With one exception, and that was the way that the phony Ben Carson got his vote stolen in Iowa, where I live, scam story. With one exception, the Cruz campaign is in this position because they haven't really had any tactical blunders. They, that one they blew. It's why they lost their momentum post-Iowa. But they haven't really had any other major tactical blunders. A lot of this is you're, is you're dealing with what we've seen throughout the course of history. And I, I've been comparing this to the French Revolution since last fall. And you're, you're dealing with a group of disparate people who rightfully feel betrayed by the system. 
and they fall for the next megalomaniac in line, whether you, whether his name, whether he's a Jacobin, whether he's Robespierre, whether he's Trump, pick a name. When people are desperate, they tend to fall for the next megalomaniac who promises to fix all their problems. And they just did it in 08. You know, it, it, I wrote a piece for a conservative review about a week or so ago that pointed out that if you look at the exit polling numbers and you want to know why Democrat turnout is down and Republican turnout is up, it's not because we're finding new voters. It's because we're, we're trans, we're, we're in, we're, we've inherited this migration herd of messianic voters uh, that were voting for a messianic candidate, megalomaniac in 08 and Obama, who was going to make the oceans rise, heal us, and bring us hope and change. And now they're, they're falling for the same messianic message with uh, Make America Great Again. Well, folks, you don't want to vote for a candidate who thinks he's the Messiah. You want to vote for the candidate who knows that he's not. Right. Well, listen, we want to give you a chance, too, because we're running out to the end here. And I, I have so many other things I want to talk to you about, and I'm probably going to carry some of that over to my interview on your show <laughs> where we talk about uh, the end times and some of these other uh, cultural elements. But um, talk to me about uh, your your books. Now, you have, you have two different books uh, that I think are both very fascinating. Um, and and the, uh, the latest one that came out, was it February? Yes, came out in February in a various plot. A various plot. Now, tell me, tell me about that. This is this is a little bit of a different. I think it's actually a little bit of a treat for people because it's it's a fictional storyline. Take me through it. Take me through the plot. So I'm sitting in the shower, getting ready to go do PR for Rules for Patriots, and and this this comes into my brain. This book is dedicated to all the useful idiots out there, especially those of you who didn't know <laughs> you were being used by us all this time. For you proved to be the most useful idiots of them all, Lord Nefarious. And from that, from that mustard seed came this book, which is sort of my homage to the screw tape letters. And if C.S. Lewis took us behind the scenes of, in his classic work of what it means for hell to tempt an individual, right. in this book, we see hell take down an entire culture. And so Lord Nefarious was tasked by the devil over a century ago with destroying the United States of America. And now he is so confident that his plan has worked that to convince his master it's successful, he publishes it in a book. He names names, movements, connects every dot. He, treats, he teaches history, theology, philosophy, and the fact that we will ignore it, the fact that we will think it's conspiratorial, it's paranoia, that's how he will convince his master, the devil, that America's days as a superpower are numbered. Hmm. I love it. Well, we'll make sure we link out to that. And you have to promise to come back on because you make our job. You're so good. You make us look bad, but you also That's make right. our job easy because you can talk right. 90% of the time and like host this for us. So I, I can have, it. I can you have, have well, here's what happened, I can guys. have a sandwich, a nap. I'm a talk show host. So I am trained to keep talking until I say something, right? So, <laughs> I just kept talking until you guys interrupted me. I love it. I love it. No, this is what we want. These are the conversations we <laughs> want. Right. We love it. You're awesome. We thank you for coming on. It's, you got to promise you'll come it's back. Like, it's like a it's like a basketball player. If you're on, shoot. If you're off, shoot till you're on. Right. That's right. Don't put me in the game if you don't think you want me to. If you want me to chuck it up. That's right. <laughs> That's right, Seth Curry. You bet. All right. Anytime, hey. guys. Let me know. Thanks, Dave. All right, thanks a lot. All right, we'll talk to you later. Have a good one. Bye right. bye. All right. Take care. Bye. And now, back to the church boys. They're a real pain in my ass. All right, before we go here, by the way, I loved that interview with, with Steve Dace. I think he's he's remarkable. And I, he he's said awesome. a lot of things. He should, be, he should be hosting this show. Or at least a show. Oh, wait. He is. He does. Uh <laughs> And actually gets paid for. Now, let's see here. Let's. 
we were talking about a story to end on, and I think this is a good one to end on because it's because it can be fun, but though at the same time it's quite depressing. Billy, tell the world about this story that you wrote up. So today. Planned Parenthood is apparently offering transgender hormone <laughs> services. Um, so it's not just about planning parenthood or not planning parenthood. It is apparently also about providing, and they don't they're not involved in sex change operations, but they are basically helping with the hormone treatments for individual individuals who are looking to change gender. So they are, and not every clinic, I think 32 of, according to Fox news, it was 32 of their clinics, um, across the country, their health centers were currently offering hormone treatment, but that more of them may do, may all may do that. Now it's fascinating to me because and I think this is interesting. The American Family Association, there was a representative, or I'm sorry, the Family Research Council, there was a representative who talked to Fox and said, um, that, I thought this was an interesting quote, um, this illustrates how Planned Parenthood, rather than providing specific services, is kind of the central clearinghouse for the sexual revolution in all respects. That's all they care about. Planned Parenthood is about killing babies and about a weird sexual behavior. That's what they're all about. It's all about a, liber- a sexual... A libertine sexual movement, period. That's all that they care about. Do you know what's so strange about this whole debate to me? And we could talk about the transgender piece, but <sighs> if you're, I don't understand how reasonable people, people will say, well, kids are just going to keep having sex, you know, no matter what, they're going to keep having sex. You know, abstinence is a terrible thing to teach kids. We should always be teaching kids abstinence, even if they're teaching other things as well. But I guess. It's just like when we look at numbers, we know that if you were to wait longer to have sex or if you weren't to engage in 15 partners, have sex with 15 partners, you would have a lesser chance of STDs, a lesser chance of pregnancy. You would be safer, healthier, physically healthy. I don't understand why that is so controversial. It shouldn't be. It should be common sense. So why are we encouraging that sort of behavior? But the other piece of this is why is Planned Parenthood involved in providing transgender hormone services? Both of those questions go to the point to have a have a similar answer and that is no one should be able to tell anybody no when it comes to sexual behavior period because but there that's are plenty really of things they all... would say no to but when it comes if to you were sex... to ask them. but when it comes to sexual behavior they're not going to tell you no on anything that's why they put out comic books for children about weird sexual trysts i mean that's that's what they do that's how they market themselves and how they make money is they get people to fundraise off this idea that it's women's health when actually they're just an abortion mill. So they make money off abortion mill, off of federal grants, and then off of fundraising as a nonprofit where they make money off deviant sexual behavior, period. And that is where they make their money. But this idea that somehow your name is Planned Parenthood, Planned Parenthood, yet you're, (laughs) you're, you're working on making people transgendered, which would, which would take women who are capable of having babies and sealing their womb and keeping them from having babies and making men into chicks who also can't have babies. So how in the world is this Planned Parenthood? It has nothing to do with planning or parenthood. There's nothing. It doesn't, it doesn't work at all. There's, there's totally a lot. Listen, the transgender movement is totally, is an, is an emotional movement anyway. There isn't logic is logic is disconnected from the transgender debate in a lot of in a lot of ways but this is this is totally an emotional movement and that's what they're doing they're appealing to an emotional emotional i would assume they're gonna make money from this oh yeah absolutely it's it's how it's how you rake in donations you start saying things to group that you to groups who feel like they're aggrieved 
And if you say, listen, we're on your side, we're going to provide these sorts of things, give us money. That's what they do. That's totally what they do. Speaking of, I just, speaking of aggrieved classes that need money, you know, folks, I put up with a lot around here. Putting up with a, a host that goes and peddles books instead of hosting shows. <laughs> a host that, the host that ignores the, well, frankly, ignores the podcasts that I post to SoundCloud and refuses to write about. Okay, the fact of the matter is there's a, a podcast that we're not going to say who it is <laughs> that has been posted repeatedly. Like Chris has posted this repeatedly and I have not packaged it up. And I mean, we're talking like two months. We're on like two months. It's still good, point. though, I think. It's a great interview. I just have not felt the inkling to do it. Speaking, speaking of which, I'm going to go ahead and repost that here pretty soon so that it doesn't <laughs> look so old. When you finally get around to it, I can't stand you. Oh man! So, uh, well, I guess that was a <laughs> fun Mother's Day episode, and uh, so we'll come back later this week, right? We're gonna do another oh, yeah, show. Definitely. Oh, well, and we, you know, teaser alert, teaser alert. Ding 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 ding, uh, ding ding ding. We are gonna have the interview, and actually, maybe I shouldn't tease it because it might come out around the same time. Well, I'll tease it anyway. Billy Graham's daughter, Ann Graham Lotz. Yes, we're gonna. I'm gonna try to post that tonight, so Monday night so, or Tuesday morning. So good. We'll have a story on that soon. Yes, there'll be a story um, on it. She's phenomenal, actually. She is, she is great. We have another interview with a guy named Elijah Stevens who talks about something. And uh, and then we Oh, have and another... Samuel Rodriguez. Uh, who? Reverend Samuel Rodriguez. Yeah, give me a little more information here. You know who he is. What are you talking about? The National Hispanic Leadership Council. Oh, yeah, he yeah. spoke at Glenn's. You know, every, listeners, know. you know who he is. I'm kidding. Everybody knows um, who he is. But listen, there was so much good content from that interview. Yeah. That I think it's like three different like stories that people can expect oh, really? to come out of it. Oh, cool! That'll be good. So I'm looking forward to all that. So any advice for the people out there, Billy? Read your scrolls and your Armageddon code. We'll talk to you later. Bye bye, folks. Bye bye. Bye bye. We'll see you. Bye bye. So, uh, how are the book sales going, Billy? I don't know. I mean, You're just tearing it up. Uh, I, I, don't re- re- I don't even know how to judge it. I know nothing. Are you gonna be able to retire off the residuals from this book? <laughs> residuals. Um, I'm probably going to make like 15 cents. Okay, well, that worked. More than you make it for this podcast. The Church Boys.